All right, on the glue guys today, you're going to hear about how the Nets did nothing at the trade deadline, what that means. Uh, the rest of the NBA, D'Angelo Russell traded. Uh, the Knicks have a new head honcho, 34th Street. And we will talk a little bit about Kevin Durant and Karis LeVert here on the glue guys. Oh, great show. All right, well, welcome back to Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, buddy. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic, 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. You can go to theathletic.com slash glueguys. Uh, Brian. Um, Mike. I would say that the Nets roster are true glue guys because they stuck in Brooklyn. How are you? Well, how can you get rid of a bunch of guys that just beat the Golden State Warriors <laughs> by 400 points? Um, Mike. As as we had in our little beginning rundown, we're going to talk actual basketball. But what we are doing here, we're recording this at 3.29 p.m. Thursday, just 29 minutes after the trade deadline ended in the NBA. And the Nets did nothing. Absolutely Mike, nothing. How? Let me Before we get into it. Yes. Let me ask you, how are your knuckles? How are your joints? I know you've been smushing that refresh button for, for days now, <laughs> and I'm sure it's taken a toll. Am I right? Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so but both of us, neither of us anticipated that the Nets would make a trade. But as we continue on and we saw how much activity, because today, being the trade deadline day, there was a ton of activity I was thinking that the Nets maybe would jump in and secure some kind of extra piece to this team because it seemed like there were extra pieces to be had, but they held true to their plan and they decided not to make a single minute, second whisper of a deal. Uh, And they've just stuck exactly. We have the exact same team that we've had. There's an open roster spot on the team, but people expect that to be TLC. Um, you are not surprised, I'm guessing, Brian. No, no, I, I'm not. Um, I don't think anybody would be surprised. I mean, if you're surprised, let's hear about it, netspot at gmail.com. I'd love to hear about your surprise. Um, but no, it doesn't, it doesn't, for anything, I think, and we talked about a little, a little bit about this earlier, signals um, a sort of interesting decision on Joe Harris that's going to be coming down the pike, because that's sort of the only... Um, you know, contract that's in a precarious spot that you would consider sort of trading. And people have talked about that, but um, it would not really make any sense. So everyone kind of just sort of tacitly agreed that that wouldn't happen. Um, But yeah, it does not, um, it it would have been actually pretty shocking to me if anything actually happened. Yeah. And so what's happening right now, as we're talking is like trades have already happened, but now we're finding out about now the buyout market, the uh, sort of the free agent market is heating up. David Aldridge from The Athletic is reporting that Isaiah Thomas will not be kept by the Clippers. Isaiah Thomas was traded to the Clippers by Washington. So what we will be watching now is actually those names, those guys that are going to be out there, these sort of like fringe veterans outside of rotations that will be cut because whatever team they just got traded to doesn't really want them. Mm. That That is maybe where the Nets make their upgrade. I mean, ultimately... 
neither of us expected a move to happen. And I think the overarching sort of indication is that really Sean Marks and the entire Nets organization are in a holding pattern, even though I believe that Kevin Durant will come back this season. And we will talk about that. I I will continue to say it. And I, we will talk about another delicious piece of evidence towards that fact. Um, Later in the podcast, juicy. I, I will say the one like seem reported rumor. We had two reports about the Nets leading into the deadline. One was that Zach Lowe had written in his piece, and this is less of a report and more of a hunch. Was that he said the Nets are one of my most interesting teams to watch going into the deadline, and then he talked about you know Aaron Gordon possibilities and stuff like that, and then. I think it was Woj or someone else, maybe it was Woj on a TV show, saying that the Nets are looking for trades. Oh, this is podcast. Nets are looking for trades that would fit with their long-term vision of the team. Okay, so that none of that materialized. And I just think it's an indication, again, that the Nets understand that this season, while they're not giving up on the season in any way, it, it, they had very few pieces that they could really trade. The things that they could trade, they probably didn't want to give up or no one really wanted. They have this first-round pick that they can use, the 76 first-round pick, which continues to look better and better as the day goes on. And that pick will still be able to be used in the offseason heading into the draft in some way. So the value of that pick maintains, and the Nets continue to maintain flexibility. And... Really, when the Levert contract and the Torian Prince deal, when those are tradable, then the entire roster becomes interesting to trade. The one thing is what you talked about, which is Joe Harris. What would they do with Joe Harris? And we we had a stream before this with Matt Brooks, and we're trying to figure out exactly what the bird rights situation was. We understand that there's some bird rights in terms of Joe Harris. The Nets can make a decision just to sign him for whatever money is necessary, Um and then he comes back, and then he's another guy who's on the floor as an asset and as a contract that they can trade. Overall, the Nets, I believe, did the right thing, which is they didn't give up a first-round pick or even second-round picks to barely move the needle at all for the team. They maintain flexibility. And frankly, as with Karis LeVert playing way better in the past two games, and hopefully Kyrie Irving comes back, at the very minimum after the all-star break and Kevin Durant comes back in a month and a week, then this team could look drastically different. Doesn't mean that they'll compete for a championship, but they'll be better uh, just by health, health, Mike, like fit. Yes. Sorry. To to your point about Karis LeVert, what level of credit are you open to giving ourselves for motivating Karis LeVert to play so well this week? Significant. I feel like, yeah. When Karis is in Springfield, Massachusetts, at the Basketball Hall of Fame, he will literally he'll have a PowerPoint presentation, which is actually something that a lot of players do not do, but I encourage. But he will have a PowerPoint presentation about his career. And similar in the way that Jordan had a verbal PowerPoint about all the people that slighted him, but Karis mm-hmm. LeVert will have a PowerPoint presentation, and he will bring up our podcast, the episode of which we were saying, what's wrong with Karis LeVert? And he'll say, this moment is and I'm not throwing shade at Brian and Mike because we've become incredibly close over the years but this moment <laughs> was the moment that changed my career and my life frankly and I I thank Brian and Mike for their um 
sort of their harsh criticism of me, but yet in a loving way that they did it, it really emboldened me and led me on this path to success where people are calling me, you know, the greatest Michigan basketball player of all time. Michiganer. And, yeah. and, and I will feel heartened by that uh, sitting in the front row next to his wife, whoever that may be at that yeah. moment. And, and you also <laughs> sitting next to me. Brian so and Mike, I will be who, I, who I go and sing karaoke with at bars every Saturday night, good friends. <laughs> that's 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 who we see. Anyways, none of that's happened. Um, but he's been playing better, so um, that's been good, Mike. Isn't that? Isn't that been nice? Dude, so what I will, so we will continue to talk trade deadline stuff. But I will urge people to go on to when you go onto ESPN's app. Or you know wherever, and you look at the game cast of those games. Going back, you can you can look at a player's shot chart. That's how I look at shot charts. I'm sure there's like a better way to do it, but that's the way I, that's my old man process. Sounds and good. look at Levert's shot chart from the past two games. The past two games where he's been averaging like 26 points per game and seven assists and five rebounds, whatever it's been. All of his shots are right around the rim and three pointers. And not that he's been like fi- lighting it up from three. He's been fine. Um, that is that is where he does need to be. And another thing I did look at stats wise is that a lot of his shots and buckets are coming off of him being the sole ball handler. And that is an impact of Kyrie Irving not being on this team. We will not feed into the meme that the Nets are better without Kyrie, though they oh, certainly look such, like it. It's such a good meme, man. Come on. <laughs> give him something. Somebody out there wants to hear it. And and I mean they, they, the Nets obviously playing two of the worst teams in the NBA, but the Nets aren't that great. They blow out those two teams, um, but without Kyrie, so it's been nice to to see that and those memes have resurfaced. Mm-hmm. But Karis um, has gotten his buckets because he his back in control of the ball in the situations when he's in the games, as opposed to having to fit next to Dinwiddie or Irving whenever he's on the floor at any time. Um, so it's been. It's been incredibly nice to see, you know, and also Joe Harris has gotten more back to, I feel like his like traditional, yes, I shoot threes, but I also do drive to the hoop guys. I do do that. Um, and that is also heartening, you know, another heartening thing to, to sort of see. Um, it would, it would there have been any deal? There's probably no deal out there that you were really like super interested in, in terms of like tracking it overall. I mean, is D'Angelo Russell the most, interesting no. thing that happened i mean i think they're all <clears throat> i think the the larger mosaic is interesting um i don't know I was saying this on the stream that uh, of people doubling that de- teams doubling down on what they already do i.e um the houston rockets trading away clint capella to just play perpetually small forever unless <laughs> for somehow they end up with tristan thompson off the waiver wire or whatever um it seems like that is their that was at least their plan at the at the time um, Igudala and you know just sort of like the Miami Heat planning to just be all about um, wily uh, wing defenders. Um, I mean, even Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder, who whose totally, body type yeah. is exactly the same, um, they're also <laughs> yeah. now in my like they're all like six four to six eight and just like kind of like slightly beefy dudes. Yeah, just um, veteran defensive presences on the wings, just every everywhere you look. And then also Marcus Morris for like um, the. He doesn't necessarily fit the the meme to a T, but like you know, part of their like you know rugged, uh, you know, 
dickishness on on that team that the def- like you know like uh, there's yeah. a bunch of like squirrely fuckers on that team so um marcus morris fits that meme to, in that in that way although he's like sort of a offensive big man which definitely doesn't fit their their deal um but in in more in, in terms of uh the vibe the tone of the team they it fits yeah um and i had to make the the analogy work for everything and i do think the the probably so the Angela Russell trade is the most interesting, right? Like it, it is something yeah. that we have been hearing about from the moment that Golden State signed Angela Russell. He his name has been in trade rumors. You had a clip came out today on Twitter after the D'Angelo Russell trade happened of Bob Myers, the Warriors GM, talking about how we signed D'Lo for him to be part of this team. We didn't sign him to trade him. Well, what do they do? They signed him to trade him. The thing about this deal, so there's some uh, idea out there that like, oh, look, good for D'Angelo Russell. He got to go where he wanted to go. But I would argue that he went to where he wanted to go to begin with, which was the Warriors, because there's a story in Bleacher Report uh, very, only like two weeks ago where D'Angelo Russell recounts the time that his agent called him to tell him that the, the Warriors were offering him a max contract. And we know at that time that Minnesota was offer also offering a max contract, though I think they had to make some trades to officially make it happen, so there was some complications. But D'Angelo Russell said, what are you doing? Why are you calling me? Sign that deal now. Tell him we'll sign the deal now. He wanted to be in Golden State. He wanted to play with Steph Curry and eventually Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. He wanted to play with those guys, and we loved D'Angelo Russell. It was a sad scene at Barclays last night where – He's getting hugged by every net, and he's talking about how much he loved to be in Brooklyn. And he, there was even a moment where he brought down a fan out of the stands because the fan was from Ecuador, and he wanted to see D'Angelo Russell. Like it was like a, it was nice to see D'Angelo back in Brooklyn, but he was playing for this horrific team that's being gutted by trades and uh, you know a shell of what they were as a dynasty. But he wanted to be there, and he wanted to be around for the fact that. <clears throat> When Curry comes back and Clay comes back and Draymond is still there and whatever you, they do with their pick, whether it's a trade or they actually draft someone, he seemed like he wanted to be there. And then he gets sent to Minnesota. Of course, he's friends with Cat, but, um, you know, Brian, the one interesting thing. and we, So before we lived in this reality with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant as Nets, mm-hmm. a very real alternate reality was that. D'Angelo Russell would have still been here if Kyrie Irving did not want to be here and KD did not want to be here, right? D'Angelo Russell would be a net. And then we'd be living this alternate reality where the rumors about the trade possibilities would be the Nets trying to get Carl Anthony Towns. Because Mm. if if D'Angelo's here in a stable system... We know Carl Anthony Towns. He's from New Jersey. Provided we haven't given Tobias Harris a max deal or something or something. Please, please, thank God. Well, and you know, you could argue yes, they would have fit together, but yeah, the money would have been horrific, and I would have, uh, as we've seen, Tobias Harris, who's totally fine, not worth the money that he had received or has received. But we would have been living in this alternate reality: is like, could the Nets mount enough of a trade package to get Carl Anthony Towns? Because the Nets wouldn't have just given D'Angelo Russell to the Timberwolves. The Nets would not make the trade. The Golden State Warriors, it makes more sense for them. Um, and instead, D'Angelo Russell is now in Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns. 
it's great for D'Angelo Russell because I think that those two guys actually fit really well together on the floor. Well, let's be honest. It's mostly great for Carl Anthony Towns because now he's yes. got a friend <laughs> uh, where I guess he wasn't that close with Andrew Wiggins, seemingly. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but like now it's actually they might be expected to win some games. So um, and I'm not sure like that that is fair, but maybe that'll be the expectation. Um, and that'll put a little pressure on their friendship, Mike, um, for the first time. Yeah, it's like um, just because some two people are friends doesn't mean that they should be working together or be in a situation. What are you trying where... to say, Mike? What are you trying to say? What is well, this? Our trick is that we're not friends, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We just pretend to be on the internet. Yeah. Um, now, but but so the one of the other flip side to all of this is that there are flurry of trades, an absolute flurry, a blizzard, if you will, but. There were a lot of teams that didn't do anything. The Celtics didn't do a thing. Now, they're going to be active in the buyout market. We, we know before we talked, Tristan Thompson was maybe going to be bought out. Now I'm also seeing from high-level sources that he's not going to be bought out. But, like, the Celtics think, are linked to that. Do you think the Celtics pick up Isaiah Isaiah Thomas for, for the memes? <laughs> do, they do, do they do it for the memes? Come on. They don't deserve Isaiah yeah. Thomas at this point. Um, well, obviously. But, so... You have Celtics not doing anything. You have the Bucks not doing anything. The Bucks who have in their coffers the Pacers' first-round pick um, languishing there because they didn't want to spend the money to have Malcolm Brogdon on the team anymore. They're sitting there with Giannis's countdown clock continuing to tick down further and further, and they don't make a trade. As the best team in the NBA, they don't make a trade to make their team any better. Maybe they don't need to, but they didn't do it. The Lakers didn't do anything, but they're probably going to get Darren, Darren Collison. The Raptors, who are a very interesting team, a team that everyone thought would be sellers at some point this season, did nothing. And the Thunder, another team who would have been classic sellers, they were in the Heat rumors, maybe Gallinari would be going there. I don't know what the Heat could have possibly have given the Thunder to make that happen. Besides, the one thing that they could have done is to remove protections on the pick. The Thunder have Miami's pick next year or something like that, and they could have removed the protections on that pick. or you know That could have happened. Um, the Thunder do nothing. Um, the Pacers do nothing, but who cares about the Pacers? And the Nets do absolutely uh, nothing. I, there's no unifying theme about all those teams, except that they're all pretty good. Um, they are all good teams. None of them were sellers. And I mean, they certainly could have been good enough to be buyers. But I I do. The, the, my most interesting team to have not done something is the Bucks, just because you do have this countdown clock for Giannis and you don't know how he's going to feel the fact that he sees all these other contenders trying to get better and his team is just staying. For me same. though, I don't I don't I don't know what he thinks obviously. Um but I wonder if he's like just a firm believer in the squad, you know, if he's one of these types. Like I I mean if I in any of the names that have just been traded, do I think any of them like immediately if you're like let's consider like a a fair deal from from Milwaukee. Um do they help? Do we want them to be taking minutes from ever anyone on that rotation? Um, I'm not sure. I think they have a really nice set little rotation that they probably don't want to futz with too, too much. Um, like, do they need a Clint Capella on that team? I don't think so, Mike. Uh, did you like Clint Capella as a Hawk? Does that intrigue you at all? Or is that... People, people are over the moon about it. Um, people are also <laughs> over the moon about Dwayne Dedman coming back to the Hawks, which I think is a better, a better meme, if I had to say so. Do I like it? I mean, like... Um, 
I guess, but like, it doesn't mean that the Hawks are going to be good. I mean, they're doing all like tiny little right things for for Atlanta, I guess, and and that's that's important to do when you're as bad as they are. Um, but I don't think it's transformational. I guess. Um, well, does anybody think it's transformational? No, I mean, I I it makes sense uh, on the basketball floor to have like a really reliable pick and roll center with Trey Young, right? Like we all know that. The thing that kind of tickles me is the fact that when they draft, so when they traded Luka Doncic for Trey Young, their sort of outward projection of their idea of running a basketball team was like, we're building the Warriors East, but we're also going to even evolve that forward. And we're building this like really unique, uh, all three point shooting team. We're not all athleticism, all ball handling. There's not going to be any sort of, like we're 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 changing basketball, right? We're going forward, we're taking a step forward. We don't need Luka Doncic. Luke, who who's that guy? We want Trey Young. You know, like we we're and then we're gonna make all these trades to get better assets. So we're gonna do both both be the Sixers and the Warriors at the same time. Like we're doing that. <laughs> but wow. what they've become because they realize that their team is horrific. Like we've seen the Hawks enough as Nets followers to see how bad the situation is in Atlanta. That then they go and make this trade to get Clint Capella, which is makes yourself more of a traditional team. I think it makes them better, uh, but it makes them more traditional. And I think what they learned is that like <laughs> they can't just like draft a bunch of like super high talent guys. I think what all, like DeAndre Hunter draft pick also tipped this off of them changing their philosophy because DeAndre Hunter was like uh, a fine player in college, but he isn't Mister High Ceiling. Cam Reddish is, and they made that draft pick, but. Basically, to me, is Atlanta admit, admitting that this original plan of being this revolutionary basketball team isn't working? It doesn't mean that they're like all completely wrong. Trey Young is great. You'd rather have Luka Doncic, uh, but like Clint Capella, like we, uh, it's fine. It looks better as like an NBA 2K thing, right? Like if your roster, if you're playing a video game, it looks better to have Clint Capella as your center as opposed to Alex Len. Mm-hmm. I, but it it doesn't like revolutionize basketball in the way that yeah Travis it's one of those things when the, like thinking. Alex Len's rating is like seventy six and Clint Capel's is like seventy nine but it just like looks way better <laughs> <laughs> you know that's probably I don't know what Alex Len's rating is probably not seventy six that might be high um you you were saying about Dwayne Dedman and I will say so I have two of my favorite WTF trades at the deadline one is that the Cavs trade a bunch of nothing for Andre Drummond which is just so crazy. That they would waste any intellectual capital at all in trying to acquire Andre Drummond on a team as bad as they are, whose one strength right now is veteran big men, uh, but they continue to add veteran big men. My second one is the Dwayne Dedman thing, is the fact that the Kings signed Dwayne Dedman seven months ago to a three-year, $40 million contract, a guy who other teams in the league had wanted, and they had to attach two second-round picks to get rid of him. So that then they could sign Bogdan Bogdanovich to a contract this summer. But if they had simply not signed Deadman or maybe did not do this crazy Buddy Heald extension, they would have been able to to do all this and maintain those two second round picks. Again, I'm not in the cult of second round picks, but bad decision making by Mr. Divac over there mm. in Sacramento. And not the first time, Mike. How long is that going to go on? Um, it seems like a while. It seems like yeah, he, he's totally, he's just, he's in there like a tick, huh? Speaking of management situations, the Knicks amongst all of this seemingly have completely changed course on leadership. Obviously we know Steve Mills is gone and that happened like earlier in the week. And now it's been reported 
I don't know if it's official yet, but now it's been reported that Leon Rose, super agent Leon Rose, will be leading the Knicks organization from a basketball sense. Um, do, when mm-hmm. you heard this, did you cower in fear that the Knicks finally got it right? Well, uh, no, but I also found it interesting. Like, so I was watching, like, you know, first take uh, when that was happening, which is a, a perfect thing to be watching for that kind of news. Yes. Um, and it's been interesting to see how often worldwide West has been invoked in, in just like as a, I guess like, um, I don't even know why, but he's constantly, his name's being thrown in there with Leon Rose every time that like they talk about this, this new position, um, which I guess means that there is an assumption that worldwide West would be because they're, they've been, you know, business partners or whatever, like CAA for forever. Um, that there is some kind of tacit understanding that he would have influence as well or something, which I find really interesting and like perfectly kind of messy in a very Nixian way. Um, I found that interesting. That's just like a weird little like side off. Like I'd be very interested to see what like World Wide West has to do with this franchise, if anything at all, if that's just like a name that's often paired with Leon Rose. Um, but yeah, so um, the thing is like people are often, they're, they're, they're going to compare Rob Lincoln um uh, and that's fine, and I think that that's like that that makes sense, and and it, maybe it does help the Knicks to attract free agents, which has been like a big problem for them, and the the one thing that they were able to do for a long time, and then they saw that they weren't able to do that suddenly, and like oh god, like they had to slap a band aid on that. So I think for that reason, if that's going to be your you know modus operandi, um, it's a good hire for that reason. So like I don't hate it, um, but in terms of like establishing you know basketball culture in the way that. A lot of these basketball presidents do. The Nets basketball president doesn't do this for for whatever reason. Um, I think that that's going to be trouble, you know. Uh, but yeah, it solves one of their problems that they have. I think. Well, um, maybe not so, the most important one. Yeah. So I'll say this: it's just basically like uh, no one could possibly know what it's going like what it's like for Leon Rose to take over in the Knicks organization. But leading up into this hire. Um, you have the James Dolan interview on Michael Kay where he claims that really high-level free agents are very interested in the Knicks because they've been told through back channels that they want to come to the Knicks. And what he, what he was implying was that KD and Kyrie wanted to come here, which is what everyone believed, of course, at that time, besides apparently like dozens of players in the NBA who all knew KD and Kyrie were coming to Brooklyn for the most part. Okay, But why we also understand that, that KD was not interested in going to the Knicks was just because of like he could tell that 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 the Knicks situation was kind of in shambles kind of part of it goes back to Phil Jackson though when he called like LeBron and Maverick Carter and LeBron's friends what do he call them like hooligans or something or his posse mm-hmm. or he had yeah. some kind of like veil not tremendously great racial mm-hmm. comment about LeBron and his friends okay so Leon Rose is brought in to turn the Knicks' credibility around and to use Leon Rose's connections to make the Knicks a better organization, right? Because the Knicks at this point, again, players view the Knicks as kind of a joke. I'm sure, I know there are players who want to play for the Knicks, but they're viewed as a joke, dumpster fire, a horrible situation. But I will, I will tell you, if anyone who is a Nets fan out there worry that the Knicks are suddenly going to get their act together... Go back many years. Let's read history. Isaiah Thomas was hired by the Knicks for his credibility and connections, and Isaiah Thomas was a disaster. Phil Jackson was hired for his very big credibility and his connections in some way, and Phil wasn't 
a complete disaster, but it felt pretty bad for most of that, particularly because he wanted to trade Chris Stapp's Porzingis, which ended up happening anyways. Scott Perry, the current GM, was hired almost specifically for his connection to Durant because Perry was in Seattle and Durant was in Seattle. And I think maybe even Perry was also then in Oklahoma City. But for his connection, and look how that turned out. David Fisdale was hired as his coach because it was believed that star players would want to play for Fisdale. That then that didn't happen. So like if if why Leon Rose is becoming the Knicks team president is because he can restore credibility and because of his connections, that hasn't happened before under James Dolan. All these really tremendously high profile names or really well connected people have been brought in to take over the Knicks, and none of them have done the job that Mr. Rose is allegedly going to do for the Knicks. So what I would say is until James Dolan decides that he is is going to be completely separated from the Knicks organization at all, I know this. I'm a Redskins fan. Dan Snyder has refused to do this over time. That's why the Redskins are a joke. The Knicks are a joke because of their owner. That is the simple case. And Leon Rose may be the best agent in the NBA, the most well-connected, smartest, savviest person there is. But if you have someone like James Dolan pushing in the wrong direction, the Knicks are still going to be bad. Now, they could get better, you know, but they but this is like the third rebuild in four years. Yeah. And, you know, that's what's happening right now. Um, also, Leon Rose as an agent. His clients were like Embiid, D'Angelo Russell, I think Kuzma. There's maybe a few other people, but none of those guys are free agents. So it's not as if his connections immediately is going to bring – it's not like he's Giannis's agent, right? He's he's agent of guys who are already locked up to long-term contracts. Um, and for anyone who's also a Mets fan, you know, Brody Van Wagenen has not been good. Um, and he is essentially was essentially Leon Rose of baseball, um, and that hasn't worked out. So that's my spiel about Mr. Rose and being nice with the spiel. Knicks. Nice spiel. Um, yeah, you got to exercise the demon. You know, the real demon. There, it's not going to happen. Can I give you one other little piece before we go? Please. Um, Kevin Durant is coming back to play basketball. How oh. I know that is. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Um, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. What's what, what are you basing that off of, Mike? What's... Have you seen the Christian Winfield video? I did. I did of, him of him doing the quarterback stuff. Okay, I will just let people know that running at near full speed. I would say Maybe running at 70, near full speed, seventy nine percent speed. Running at near full speed, pivoting off of his injured leg and launching a football, let's say thirty yards, to just be uh, conservative. Probably, actually, it isn't even thirty yards, but I'll say thirty yards. Okay, he's launching a football off of his injured Achilles. And I would, I, I would, you know, if anyone has ever thrown a football, the way you're kind of supposed to do it is to, you know, push off your legs uh, at least a little bit. He's coming back to play basketball. I don't know what else we need to see. It, 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 the only reason he's not going to play basketball is if it's because the, the Nets season is completely in the tank or if he himself is like, I don't want to. It has nothing to do with health at this point. He's going to be healthy enough to play basketball at least at a, like a part-time basis, right? Like at least no back-to-backs, at least, you know, only playing 20 minutes a game. He's going to have to rehab. I've said this before, but like the minute the season ends, he's going to be playing in pickup games and we're going to be seeing him playing in pickup games with, again, a mellow in a hood. So 
he's playing basketball, Brian, and I just want everyone to know that it's happening. There's no, well, I'm not, this isn't, I don't need sources. I just need two eyes. And I have, I, I frankly, neither of them are that great visually, but I, I can see enough um, through no, my Warby I mean, Parkers. And you've, you're, I mean, again, I hate to stress, stress it and flex Mike's credentials, you know, and well, I'd love to do it because I'm super proud of you, but <laughs> Mike's got a fake degree in, <laughs> in, in, Achilles. in Achilles injury. So he knows a little bit about what he's talking about. He knows um, a, a lot about what he's talking about. So yeah. watch out. So watch out, world. Yeah. So soon we'll have to decide which game he's going to come back because that yeah. I don't really know. I don't know which game it's going to be. He I missed, mean, I know he missed this Golden State comeback opportunity. That would have been a good one. Well, so the, I do, the Nets do play in Golden State like in a in oh. a month, basically. Oh, wow. Did we um, figure it out? Uh, yeah, let's see it. Let's Circle see that it. one. Um, the Nets are at you... the Warriors March 12th, which is <clears> – <throat> But, like, if you're Durant, do you want to come? So the Nets are amidst a West Coast string of games there. Um, so they play at the Lakers, at the Warriors, and at the Clippers that second week of March, and then at the Kings on that Sunday. But then the Nets have a home game against the Wizards March 18th. That's a pretty cushy spot to come back. You're playing the Wizards. Um, and that would that would give you about you know four weeks left of the season you know four or five weeks left of the season to evaluate how you are physically um to evaluate how good the team is to evaluate whether it's worth like continually putting yourself out there uh let's actually see also if the nets have any back-to-backs on that schedule they have a few back-to-backs but not uh, a daunting level of them i think they only have one back-to-back to finish out the season when maybe durant would come back so that dope. that is uh that that's what's happening dope 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 um mike get us out of here um thank you all so much for listening we'll be back in your ears next week uh the we're waiting on news about Kyrie's knee uh the nets next game is saturday night at toronto and then they have a monday nighter at the pacers and then a home game wednesday against the raptors and then that's it until the all-star break so Three games. Is Kyrie going to come back in that time or is he just going to wait? We'll be waiting on that and we'll be talking about it. And our next podcast, we would love it if you could email netspod at gmail. Send us your thoughts about the trade deadline, the rest of the season, Kevin Durant. Should he come back? Should he not? Let us know. We are here for you. We are at service to you and your basketball wishes. Wow. Nicely done, Mike. And thank you again for having me on the show. Yeah, boy. Yeah.